Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we're following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Refillion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Invisible Hate. I'm Asad Butt. And I'm Sadia Khan. Our story today brings us to Albany, New York, in January of 2016. Three young black women step onto a public transportation bus. They are headed to SUNY Albany's uptown campus. The night is dark and cold, but the bus is warm by comparison. The women make their way to the back of the bus, where they find three open seats. Despite this late hour, the vehicle is actually full and the aisles are filled with chatter of college students. But an altercation soon ensues at the back of the bus. What begins as verbal soon becomes physical, and the bus erupts into mild chaos. Before long, two of the women call 911. Their report? A racially fueled crime. In other words, a hate crime. This is Invisible Hate. So, Sadia, how was your week? I said my week is going okay. My kids are soon going to leave for college. So I Oh, that's right. Am... End of summer, beginning of school. <laughs> yeah, I am experiencing a host of emotions. I am extremely sad at times and Oh no. Um teary-eyed and then there are times when I think about all the things that I can do once they leave. Um, <laughs> empty nest? You're going to be an empty nester? Yeah, but I don't like the feeling and it's making me so miserable right now and I'm trying oh, to really? focus on work. Oh my God. Are you just giving them hugs like every single day? I, like I, I all am the, all... and I'm making them emotional, which is so wrong because I feel like they are feeling bad about leaving home and going to college and i feel bad for making them feel bad but <laughs> that pakistani I guilt know, i'm sure you experienced it Asad. <laughs> i'm pretty sure your mom did this to you yeah yeah i mean you know of course yeah yeah but hopefully once they leave i'll be fine it's just 
the yeah. days this prior, week. right? For sure, yeah. And But they're not too far away. They'll come home, you know, for vacations and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they will. But one of them is going to study abroad this semester. Oh, wow. And I can't disclose too much information because last time I tried to and my daughter was so mad at me. <laughs> she was like, you can't use my name. You can't oh, wow. tell people where I go. So without oh their goodness. consent, I'm sorry. I'm not going to disclose any information <laughs> except that I have two girls. That's it. All right. Fair enough. Tell me, Asad, how's your week been? Yeah, so far so good. So for those of you um, that are new to the podcast, I run a production company. We're actually in just about to sign some deals to make a movie. Sadia. Oh, so our wow. first movie, yeah, which is really exciting. It's going to be comprised of actually five short movies all about Ramadan and Eid. And so we just got the scripts and we have signed the directors. And so now we're entering into pre-production, which is really exciting and a whole new kind of part of the media world that I've never done before. And really excited that shoots are going to happen in New York City and Los Angeles this fall. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about this project. And I said, can I come? Can I visit? I will volunteer. <laughs> yeah. I will do whatever For you sure. want For sure, as long as you're not crying on set because your girls aren't there. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. I think by <laughs> September, mid-September, I'll be fine. So I would love to contribute. Yeah, we'd love to have you. You know, one of the movies is about a relationship between sisters. So I don't know, maybe maybe you shouldn't come to that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might be too emotional yeah, for you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Talking about emotional, we have a different case this time, Asad. Something that we haven't discussed in the past. But before we do that, do you want to tell our new listeners what Invisible Hate is all about? Yeah, for those of you that are new to Invisible Hate, we are a weekly true crime podcast in which Sadia and I attempt to uncover the ugly truth behind various hate crimes, both recent and historical. That's right. And many of the cases that we discuss involve crimes committed against minority groups. Our goal is to determine through a discussion of the nuances and complexities of these unfortunate situations, whether or not these transgressions can be considered hate crimes. Today's case, however, is very different from many of the cases that we typically discuss as this case deals with a hate crime report that was later concluded to be almost entirely false. Now, was this report actually false or was there some truth to it? We'll get into a discussion of that in a little bit, but for now we are going to walk you through the various accounts of the case. We'll start from the perspective of the three young women. We'll describe the scene as they reported the incident and we'll then turn to the conclusions gathered by investigators based on witness accounts and surveillance footage. So let's get started. It's 1 a.m. on January 30th, 2016. Three young black women board a number 11 CDTA bus headed towards the uptown campus of SUNY Albany. Their names are Ariel Agudio, Asha Burrell, and Alexis Biggs, and all three women are students at SUNY Albany. The three make their way to the back of the busy bus where they find three open seats. Sitting just behind them, a young white woman named Mary Gleason boisterously sings, 
that song, 99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall. Do you know that one, Salia? No, I said I don't. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic uh, song that people sing when they're in the car or driving or on a bus. It's kind of a sing-along song. Hmm. The women find themselves annoyed by the song and attempt to put an end to Gleason's singing. As Agudio leader testifies, Burrell offers the woman a sandwich, hoping to distract her from the song. The girl responds by calling Burrell and the other two women, quote, ratchet bitches. This phrase, as Agudio explains, is often considered to be disparaging of black women. Agudio then stands up to engage in a confrontational argument with the woman. Then another group on the bus, this one a group of young men, get involved. They tell Agudio to shut up and sit down. As Agudio later testifies, she believes that these aggressive requests stem from the fact that she is black, as nothing has been said to Gleason, the woman who was singing that song really loudly. So she goes to sit down, and as she does, a man allegedly calls her a quote whale, inciting further confrontation. Agudio then finally goes to sit down, but within moments, she hears screaming from the back of the bus. She turns to find Gleason and several other passengers fighting with Burrell and Briggs, her two friends. Believing that her friends have become the target of a physical attack, Agudio goes to defend them, and then she too becomes wrapped up in the fight. A crowd of people push Agudio forward, and she loses control, falling into a seat. And then as she self-reports later on, while in the seat, she is repeatedly punched, her hair pulled by several women. Oh, wow. Yeah, she claims that men are involved as well, repeatedly striking her. But she later admits, however, that she was not in fact struck by any men. We'll get to that in a little bit. But amongst the madness, Burrell and Briggs claim to hear several racial slurs used against them. The chaos finally comes to an end when the bus driver forces the passengers off the bus, and at that point, Agudio and Burrell both call 911. Both women report that they've been jumped on a bus, claiming to have been victims of a hate crime. This is Burrell in her call to 911. Hi, yes, I'd like to report the fact that me and my friends were just jumped on a bus for being black. And then here is what Agudio says in her emergency call to 911. It was a racially uh, sealed crime. We were three black girls jumped by like 20 white people. I said this is just so horrific. Now, just reading facts as presented by these three young women, young black women, I am not surprised as to how they were a target of, you know, hate and vitriol because when people get angry they say the most nasty and unhinged things and I can see people on the bus doing that to these three women right that's exactly right 911 what's your emergency yeah, so Savia, in a separate call with 911 dispatcher David Ray, Agudio elaborates even further, saying that, you know, she got jumped on the bus and no one did anything, that her and her three friends were involved in this racial crime and that they were calling her the N-word and all this other stuff. And she basically was like, if they don't send someone down, the police, that she's going to call the news and make it into a big kind of incident, right? Right. Which, you know, I think makes sense. And so... Following the incident, a police officer named Tracy Sandoval meets the three women 
at their apartment in response to their calls, and they tell her, the police officer, that they've been, quote, punched around the head and body by the white males and white females on the bus and called racial slurs and wails. So I said, I want to stop you here and just clarify one thing. Yeah. They talk about racial slurs in the beginning, but being punched around the head and body by white males and females is new piece of information, right? Well, I think Agudio claims that during all this altercation, she got pushed into her chair and then someone starts punching her. And this is the first time maybe that she's verbalizing that it was the head and the body of where she was struck in the head. But she did claim earlier that she was punched. So these are some serious allegations, I said, because if these reports are in fact true, then it sounds like these women endured some rough treatment, almost trauma, right? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the whole thing, right? These women definitely seem to believe that they were wronged. But unfortunately, witness accounts and surveillance footage provide a really different version of the story. According to various sources, all three of them, Agudio, Burrell, and Briggs, were not in fact jumped, but rather they were the ones that initiated the physical altercations themselves. Oh, wow. This is so crazy, Asit. Can you walk us through this alternate version of the story? Yeah. So, like, you know, this alternate version is a lot of the same kind of setup, but a lot of different detail, right? So sadly, once again, it's 1 a.m. on January 30th, 2016, and Agudio, Burrell, and Briggs have just taken their seats on the bus, and sitting behind them is that woman singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall. I wish you didn't sing that. This song <laughs> initiated so much drama and problems. I wish she really stopped singing this, Asad. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I, every time I hear it, I wish people <laughs> didn't sing it. It's a, it's a very annoying song, so... Uh, yeah. So anyway, so annoyed by Gleason singing, Agudio stands up and yells at her to be quiet. And in this version of events, according to several eyewitnesses, she says something along the lines of, quote, I'm from Long Island. I can fuck you up. Hmm. Several passengers then ask Agudio actually to sit down. And then Agudio responds to them saying, quote, because I'm black, I can't say anything as a question, you know, like she's angry. Yeah, she's angry. Yeah, for sure. Gleason's friend, a woman by the name Gabrielle Camicho, in response, kind of protecting her friend, she says to Agudio, are you fucking kidding me? You're ignorant. Shut the fuck up and get a job. Oh, wow. Which obviously, that's like, bad, you know, is it? that's a little, that's, yeah, that's heavy stuff. So it's in this moment that that woman, Camacho, is punched in the face by one of the three women. Oh, so that's where physical altercation starts, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. According to this <laughs> version, a fight breaks out between the two groups of women and the bus. That's when it erupts into chaos. In the midst of this madness, Gleason hears one of the three women say, quote, white, ignorant bitch. And then several other eyewitnesses actually hear this insult as well. Gleason herself is struck at least once and sustains injuries to her hands and knuckles. We assume this is indicative of her involvement in the fight. And just a reminder, Sadia, there is surveillance footage. And based upon that, it appears that several young men attempt to interfere and break up the altercation. And there is one man in particular who attempts to hold back Agudio and pull her away from the fight. However, none of the men appear to hit the three women, contrary to what Agudio and Burrell later report. 
And to make matters even more complicated, not a single eyewitness hears any kind of racial slur spoken towards the three women. Wow, Asa, this is getting so complicated for me to understand and synthesize all this information because on the one hand, it seems like all young men who were there were trying to break up the altercation and not start one or participate in one. According to this line of events. According to this line of events, right? But also not a single witness hears any kind of racial slurs. Right. I don't know. It sounds a bit unbelievable. I don't know if that was conveniently sidelined. And I don't want to be too judgmental towards people on the bus, but... Who knows, maybe there were some racial slurs exchanged and people did not pay attention to or chose to ignore them. I totally hear what you're saying, and I, I think that's hard to hard to say for sure. So is this or is this not a hate crime, then, Asad? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big, big question, right? So it doesn't seem to be, but truthfully, I think, Sadi, it's really hard to know, to, to your point, what you just said. The audio in the surveillance footage is hard to discern and offers no concrete evidence as to whether or not a racial slur was spoken, but eyewitness accounts suggest that this was likely not a hate crime. And to make matters even worse for the three women, according to the testimony of that dispatcher, the 911 dispatcher, David Ray, before he answered the emergency call from Agudio, he heard her saying through the phone, quote, I was beating the shit out of that bitch. I had three of them down. Ouch. That does not make a good you look good, Asad. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Wow. So if these accounts are correct, then not only were the women themselves the aggressors, but even worse, they created a largely false narrative in which they fabricated racial slurs. Asad, I find it so difficult to believe the racial slurs part. I can understand the physical altercation and somebody else may have initiated it. So yeah, maybe three women initiated it. But racial slurs, I still think that may have happened. I find that hard to believe as well. So I am curious, did the women actually believe that they had experienced a hate crime or did they merely fabricate the narrative for their own personal gain? And if so, why? Sally, that is a great question and we're going to get into that. But first, a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Invisible Heat. So, Asad, how did the public react to this incident? Yeah, so, Sadia, following the incident, Agudio and Burrell publicized their allegations on Twitter, and social media absolutely erupted. You can imagine, like, the response that they got, right? According to the New York Times, initially, members of the public rallied around the women. The incident elicited an emotional response from the Sunni Albany president as well, who stood behind Agudio, Burrell, and Briggs. The altercation even got a response from, of all people, Hillary Clinton, who publicly condemned the attack on Twitter. She publicly condemned it. So actually, Sadia, on February 1st, it was actually an event that drew hundreds of students at the campus to rally against racism. The incident had kick-started a much-needed wider conversation about racism on campus, and it was a really campus-wide awakening. So SUNY Albany unified in solidarity around the women. But everything changed when footage of the incident surfaced online. The footage seemed to suggest that contrary to the claims of the women, 
they themselves had initiated the fight, as we talked about earlier. Right. What had started as immense support for the women morphed into aggressive criticism instead. The women, in fact, saw they were vilified. They were heavily criticized and even received death threats. Worst of all, according to the New York Times, their names were posted on social media with images of nooses and referencing to lynching. That's so brutal, Asa. That's yeah, so Yeah, so wrong. crazy. Can you, like, the backlash and the inability for people to realize that now, you know, what they're doing in terms of death threats and these kind of posts, you know, that is, in fact, a hate crime. <laughs> well, right, you know, that crazy. is yeah. a hate crime. You're absolutely <laughs> right. right. And then, Sadia, on the other end of the spectrum, many students felt that these false reports had diminished and delegitimized important conversations on racism. According to the New York Times, first-year student Lauren Hopesdale said, quote, it's disappointing and saddening that somebody who seemed to be trying to help the movement would be the one to set it back. She and many others are now worried that it will become even harder for minorities to be taken seriously, especially when reporting hate crimes. As for the college administration, it revoked its support of the three women almost immediately and launched an investigation against them. Ultimately, Agudio and Burrell were expelled and Briggs was suspended for two years after pleading guilty to disorderly conduct. Wow, Asad, it's so sad how quickly the public turned on these women. Now, to me, I understand there may have been some exaggeration, an exaggerated version of what happened. But you know what? Racism is alive and thriving in the United States and it happens to so many people and there are so many black men and women who are victims of racism. And yes, I do get why some people may think that this incident would delegitimize important conversations on racism because it can, as I said, and it can be so harmful for the broader society. So I am really shocked and saddened, not just because of the incident, but the impact or the consequences of it on broader society. Asad, tell me about the backgrounds of each of these students. I'm curious to know who they are, where they come from. Sadly, unfortunately, we don't know all that much about the background on Agudio Burrell and Briggs. According to the Daily Gazette, Ariel Agudio is from Huntington, Long Island. Asha Burrell is from Huntington Station, Long Island. And Alexis Briggs is from Elmira Heights in Chemung County, New York. All three of them were 20 at the time of the incident, and all three of them were attending SUNY Albany, as we've discussed. Sadia, let's take another quick break, and when we return, we'll discuss the investigations and the trials surrounding this incident. Welcome back to Invisible Heat. So I said, what happened after people began to become suspicious of Agudio Burrell and Briggs and their alleged false reports? Yeah, Sadia. So as you can imagine, you know, a bunch of stuff happened. So just days after the incident, the police brought the three women in for questioning. And in an interrogation with the University of Albany, the SUNY campus police, an investigator actually asks Briggs, would it shock her if things were different than she remembered? And that's when police showed all three women surveillance footage of the incident before questioning them. 
According to Spectrum One News, after viewing the footage, Briggs admitted that she couldn't see anyone striking her or her friends in the footage. And despite this, though, she stood behind the legitimacy of her case. Here's what she said. I think that the whole case, minus the guy that's hitting us, mm -hmm. should still get investigated. Because I know what I heard. Listen, that's what we're doing. I know what happened. I said, I think when we are distressed, like these three women were, we can assume things about what's happening to us, right? So our memory can play tricks on us. And I wonder yeah, sure. if it was their memory not serving them right, or were they creating these stories intentionally? Because that right. could also determine the outcome of how these women should have been treated post the incident. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Like, did they think that this actually happened to them or were they making it up? Right. I think that's the crux of what we're trying to get at, right? So with substantial evidence suggesting that the three women had falsely reported a hate crime, they actually brought this case to trial, like they charged them. Oh, wow. Can they do that? It seems like they can. So all three of them in April of that year were charged by the district attorney's office with breaking various criminal laws. According to the local CBS News affiliate, Alexis Briggs actually pleaded guilty to just one count of disorderly conduct, admitting to the judge that she knew the story that was reported by Agudio and Burrell was not true. And for this, she received a sentence of about 100 hours of community service. Agudio and Burrell, on the other hand, pleaded not guilty to all the charges. According to the American legal website Justia, both women faced an 11-count indictment, one count of assault in the third degree, three counts of attempted assault in the third degree, three counts of harassment in the second degree, and four counts of falsely reporting an incident in the third degree. Wow. A lot of a lot of charges, Asa, this is for sure. Bizarre to me because I'm thinking if their actions and the indictment or the punishment for their actions are proportionate and if they don't, they don't seem proportionate at all. My guess, sadly, is because they publicized this so much on Twitter and got so much publicity for what allegedly happened. My guess is the DA's office felt like they had to respond, you know, in kind by like charging them with all this, you know, false stuff that they did. As a deterrence? That would be my guess. Yeah, totally. Hmm. So Sadia, in 2017, an Albany County jury convicted both Agudio and Burrell on two counts of misdemeanor charges, one for falsely calling 911 and another for social media comments that caused public alarm, which I actually didn't even know was a thing. Oh my gosh, if it is a thing, a lot of politicians should be behind the bars. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's certainly true. Both of them, though, were acquitted of all the assault and harassment charges. And in the end, they were sentenced to three years probation, 200 hours of community service, and a $1,000 fine. Both of them, however, appealed the decision. And here is um, Agudio's attorney, Mark Mischler, in an interview with a local news affiliate. They've treated this as if it were the crime of the century from the beginning. It's it's not. It's not even a crime. In April 2020, the state Supreme Court actually upheld Burrell's conviction for the 911 call in the People versus Burrell. However, they decided to toss her conviction for allegedly causing public alarm on social media. And then in February 2021, the state Supreme Court met virtually to discuss Agudio's appeal. And here's what 
her attorney, Mark Mishler, argued. She was the victim of a crime. She believed it was a racial crime. She felt it was important to report that. She felt that was her duty to report that. And that's what she did. And here we have Vincent Stark, the Albany County assistant attorney, responding. You know, when she says I was I was assaulted, it was a racial crime. Again, it wasn't a crime at all. That's the objective portion. She wasn't assaulted. She wasn't jumped at all. The standard we are holding them to is you cannot call the police and lie. Just flat outright lie. And so, Sadia, in May 2021, the state Supreme Court upheld Agudio's conviction for the 911 call in The People versus Agudio. However, just as with The People versus Burrell, the appellate justices decided to toss her conviction for allegedly causing a panic about the incident on Twitter. Wow, so there is so much information that needs to be synthesized processed. I'm sure listeners are thinking through a lot of these things. With that, should we get to our primary discussion of the (laughs) art? Do we think anything about this incident should be considered a hate crime or were these three women just entirely false in their reports? You know, Sadia, I think for me, based upon the investigations, trials, and general consensus surrounding the case, it doesn't appear to be a hate crime. It appears that all three of them were actually the aggressors, with the three of them actually providing false narratives to both the police and to the public. But I still think it's just like a really fascinating case. What are your thoughts? You're absolutely right, Asad. It is a fascinating case. Now, I do think it's not a hate crime. It was a physical altercation, which became overblown and it just got out of hand. And when people are in an, a physical altercation, they can sometimes use really demeaning language. And maybe that's yeah. what was happening. But at the end of the day, if somebody used racial slurs against these three women, they were using them for a very specific reason, right? And that's where it gets a bit blurry for me, whether using those racial slurs should be considered a hate crime. But again, we don't even have evidence to prove that somebody did use racial slurs against them, right? So there isn't a tangible proof of this. So I guess, Sadi, maybe I I need to investigate this, but just using a racial slur isn't considered a hate crime, right? Oh, no. But I think I said verbal abuse is considered a hate incident, which isn't a criminal offense, but still very serious. Yeah, I think you're right. And the reason why I keep emphasizing on whether or not racial slurs were used is because when we are abusing people verbally based on their actual or perceived identity, we are causing distress, we are causing trauma. And that's why I'm not sure if in that situation, This would be partly hate crime if there is such a thing. I don't know. I said, what do you think? Yeah, I I mean, I wish that we had the audio of what was actually said, because I think that would enlighten so much about what actually happened. And it's really hard to say. I said, I also believe that there is a clear racial hierarchy in America. Mm -hmm. And because of that, while this incident may not be explicitly hate crime, but I can totally get that these women may have felt threatened given the power dynamic in terms of their race versus race of their aggressors. And they may quite possibly have felt discriminated against and they reacted to that threat. 
rather than reacting to a physical altercation. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I think, Sadi, one thing that I've been thinking about is whether or not they should have gone to trial, right? Like, it seems overblown for them to have been charged. I mean, let's assume they made it up. Or they over-exaggerated. Or they over-exaggerated. Yeah, let's let's make the assumption that they over-exaggerated. Should they have been charged? It seems like overkill, right? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. That seems like something really egregious and they shouldn't have been charged or, or convicted in, in that sense. So do we know where these women are today? Yeah, so unfortunately we can't say with much detail where they are, Sadia, but it's six years later. Hopefully they've done their community service and that, you know, they're living you know, safe and happy lives now. You know, Sally, I think regardless of what really happened that day, this is an unfortunate case. Hate crimes are incredibly serious acts that continue to plague our society as we know. These crimes must be taken seriously and, you know, false reports or exaggerated reports are only cause for kind of greater skepticism, providing people with the excuse to take future crime allegations less seriously. So, you know, I think that this incident had the power to start an important conversation on race, but instead ended up detracting from the conversation. And yeah, we hope that listeners and others alike continue to have these important conversations because bringing critical discussions of race and discrimination is really important to have. You're absolutely right, Asad. And I would like to thank all our listeners who've been coming back to us every single week to listen to these important conversations and those who join us for specific episodes. We really appreciate your presence in this space and we really hope that these conversations are benefiting you in some way and giving you a perspective that did not exist. Thank you so much for listening to Invisible Heat. If you want to learn more, check out links in the show notes about the case. Please do email us your thoughts on this story or any other story that you think we should cover. You can reach us at info at invisiblehatepodcast.com. You can also tweet us or hit us up on Instagram. We are posting on Instagram regularly to keep you updated about our work, upcoming episodes, current episodes. And we are also hoping that our Instagram is a source of information for all of you. You can just search up Invisible Hate Podcast on Instagram and other social media platforms. That's exactly right, Sadia. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you please share with a friend. Invisible Hate is a joint production of Rafaelion Media and Immigrantly. We'd like to thank our team, which includes Michaela Strather, Emmanuel Monahan, and Paroma Chakravarti. Our music is done by Simon Hutchinson. We'll be back next week with another hate crime for us to analyze. Until then, I'm Asad Butt. And I'm Sadia Khan. 